Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, so we are three weeks into uh, this current Politically Correct series uh, where we are attempting to answer the incredibly simple, not at all complicated question of how should a Christian engage with politics? If you've been following along so far, we've given two key principles or, or guidelines that we feel like we should put into practice as we approach politics. The the first I talked about on the first week uh, as I introed the series, and that was your citizenship is a form of stewardship, uh, meaning that any political influence or privilege that we have, like every other blessing and resource that we have, comes from God, and it should be stewarded in order to bring him glory and to build his kingdom. And so uh, we want to view our uh, our citizenship, any political influence or impact we can have under that umbrella of stewardship, of using all the resources and the blessings that God has given us to bring him glory and to build his kingdom. The second uh, guiding principle that we, that we uh, shared last week, Neil did a great job laying this out, was a missional citizenship is more concerned with local politics than with national politics. Uh, Neil did a great job laying this out, uh, really challenging us to be present and invested in the goals, successes, and struggles of the local community right around us. Um, And so to hear more about either one of those, if you missed it, look back over the first two weeks of the series. That kind of catches us up to today where we're jumping in. And so uh, this week, we're going to look at another principle um, that we feel like Christians should use to inform the way that they approach the uh, political landscape. But before we get into the one that I'm going to be teaching this week, I'm going to give you a bonus one. Okay, you get two for the price of one this week. Uh, The first one is going to be super quick. And it's this. We are called to love our political opponents in practical and material ways. The people that are of a different party than we are or people that are on the other side of an issue, the person on the other side of that Facebook post or that tweet, we are called as Christians to love our political opponents in practical and material ways. Uh, The reason you might hear that and think you should expand on that quite a bit. Uh, Well, good news. The reason I'm not unpacking uh, this one is because just this summer we spent 10 weeks doing a series called Love Over Fear, where we dove pretty deep into this idea of loving one's enemies in spite of disagreement. And so uh, that third guideline is just kind of a bonus one. We're not going to spend any more time today going over that. Again, if that's something that interests you, there's 10 weeks of a Love Over Fear series that I encourage you to go back on our Facebook or our YouTube or our website uh, to look through, and we're going to hit that pretty deep uh, over the summer. Uh, But we're going to spend some time today introducing a fourth uh, principle. And um, uh, so in order to set this up, we're actually going to return to a story that I actually talked about in that Love Over Fear series over the summer. So we've uh, talked about it relatively recently, um, but I wanted to return to it because I feel like it's really relevant, uh, really relevant and really fitting for our current conversation. And that story, uh, if you remember, was when Jesus was approached 
uh, by these two parties, the Pharisees and the Herodians, um, and they're attempting to trap him by asking asking him a question that they hope is going to put him into a lose-lose situation, right? At the time, uh, uh, the Jewish people were under Roman occupation, um, and the Herodians, the, the group that were there with the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the teachers of the law, the experts of the law, um, very legalistic, uh, very educated, um, and very judgmental. <laughs> um, and the Herodians, the other party that's mentioned in this passage, uh, they were called the Herodians because um, the king that the Roman government had put into power over the Jewish people at that time, it was a, a state-appointed ruler, uh, was, was named Herod. And so uh, the Herodians were loyal to the king that Rome had put into power. Um, and so in that sense, they were more pro-Rome uh, than those uh, Jewish people who wanted to see the nation of Israel restored uh, with a descendant of King David on the throne. So um, as we dive into this passage, we're going to read it again. I know we just looked at it over the summer, but as we dive into this passage, there's a lot of politics in play here. And the Pharisees are hoping that they're going to be able to trap Jesus into saying something that's, that's going to get him into trouble. And so uh, this is actually... This story is found in three of the synoptic gospels. We're going to read it out of Mark. Uh, and so I'm reading it out of Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 17. And so uh, this is this is that passage we're going to take a look at again. It says, Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They said they came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Jesus says so much in his response here. The Pharisees are hoping that he's going to come down on one side or the other, uh, either in favor of Israel uh, as a sovereign nation that does not recognize the authority of the Roman emperor, who at that time was seen as a deity uh, in the Roman Empire. So if he came down uh, on that side of saying, no, we don't owe anything to, uh, we don't recognize the authority of, of the Caesar, of the Roman emperor, then they could accuse him of trying to start a political rebellion and have him arrested. Win for them, lose for Jesus, or at least in, in the way that they looked at it. Um, so they hoped he'd come down on that side or come down in favor of paying the tax uh, and acknowledging the authority of the Roman government. And in doing so, lose him the popular support of the Jews, uh, including those who are among his closest group of disciples uh, who desire Jewish independence instead of Roman rule. Uh, but Jesus, in a way that only he can, uh, totally subverts these two options. Um, by asking whose image is on the coin, Jesus creates a comparison um, that sets up his response. And so uh, he says, give unto Caesars, or if you're like familiar with the, the King James, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? And to God, what is God's? And so if the coin, which bears the image of Caesar, should be given to him, then it follows that that which bears the image of God mankind should be given to him. 
And it is with this in mind that we get to our second guiding principle this week is that as Christians approaching uh, how we engage in politics is that we are citizens of the kingdom first and foremost. We are citizens of the kingdom first and foremost. Jesus draws this distinction between nation and kingdom between the temporary and the eternal. And then he draws the line about where our loyalty as the people of God should be. He says, yeah, okay, Rome uh, mints the money, right? They build the roads. They provide protection against you know outside, out, outside parties. Give to them what they are due. But all of you, everything that you are belongs to God. And as such, he deserves our loyalty above any and everything else. The reason that I think this is important enough to bring up and to design one of our, you know, guiding principles around is because in today's current political climate, so much screams and demands our loyalty. Uh, in my experience, many of us have reversed the order of Jesus's teachings to where we are filtering our Christian faith through our political allegiances instead of the other way around. Uh, does that make sense? We're allowing our political allegiances to interpret our Christian faith rather than allowing our faith to have authority over our political allegiances. Uh, what I mean by this is that as Christians in America, um, you would assume it would make sense, right? That, uh, we would come to how we feel about a, a, a particular political issue by, by allowing our faith to guide us to a conclusion and then seeking out candidates, parties, and platforms that align with that conclusion, right? That to me seems logical and makes sense. Um, however, what I have experienced personally, what I've seen far too often is that people choose to align themselves with a particular party and then allow that party to determine how they should feel about each individual issue. And then they reconcile their faith with that after the fact. Um, they feel strongly about a particular issue, whether it's abortion, gun control, immigration, whatever the case may be. And then whatever party aligns with their views on that issue, they just let the party line determine their view on every issue. Um, although they likely wouldn't even admit to doing that. Um, again, we have reversed Jesus's teaching and we are giving to Caesar that which should only be given to God. But, uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, or in this case, the elephant and the donkey in the room, right? Because in our current system, you only have two options that have any realistic chance of having any substantial political impact, uh, particularly at the national level. Um, odds are that neither party, if you're, if you're looking at it objectively, that neither party uh, aligns with your views on every single issue. In fact, theologians like Tim Keller uh, argue that if you are faithfully pursuing scriptural views, that you should find yourself not fitting uh, into either political party. Um, as an aside, Tim Keller, by the way, uh, talk about a guy who's writing like he's running out of time. Like if you're interested, look up some of his recent articles or even some of his Twitter threads, like dude is putting out so much content right now that I just find really compelling around this idea of faith and politics and the upcoming election. And yeah, he's just writing like crazy right now. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but, uh, if neither of the two options that are available, uh, fits your views, uh, you know, all the way down on every issue, then each, every one of us is going to have to make some compromises. 
Um, how we decide to make those compromises is, I think, uh, a great topic for discussion in our missional communities, and it will be included in the questions for this week because I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that gets fleshed out uh, in dialogue rather than me just you know talking to you on a screen here. Um, but the 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 thing that I want you to take away, the key point that I, that we want to take away from this is that Christians, uh, the way that we approach the political landscape must be filtered first and foremost through what it looks like to live as a part of the kingdom of God rather than the other way around. We have to look at what it looks like to be a member of the kingdom of God and that if we give any political party, uh, any economic system, uh, a constitution, an anthem, a flag, if we give anything else, our unconditional and unquestioned loyalty, then we are acting against Jesus's teaching and giving to Caesar what should only be reserved for God. Um, I know in my missional community, we have been having some, uh, some really good conversations around these. I've really been looking forward to the discussions. I feel like we've been really diving into the meat. I've talked to some other missional community leaders who feel the same way. Um, and so I, I, as we go into the questions for this week, uh, the design for these questions is very intentional to not give you an answer but to provide a launching point for our missional communities or you with your family, or maybe you just wrestling through it internally uh, to really sit with this and marinate on it and come uh, to a revelation um, through the things that the question brings up. So this is not designed to answer a question, check a box. Got it. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's really trying to go deeper than that and challenge you to think about why you came to the conclusions you do so that you can hold it uh, firmly and you can have a, a good foundation. So here are questions. For, for discussion this week, again, designed to really just be a launching off point for some really uh, healthy and hearty discussions for you to have in your missional communities. And so the first question is this, in what ways do our current political parties align with kingdom values? Again, in what ways do our current political parties align with kingdom values? Try to approach this question in as objective a way as you can. Obviously, each of us has uh, our uh, where we lean, which political parties we may uh, lean towards. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, every one of us should be able to say that whatever party we tend to support has its good points and has its negative points. Uh, if we're not completely absorbed into an echo chamber uh, that all we see is the positives about our current uh, current political situation, then we should be able to objectively point out positives and negatives and positives and negatives of the opposing party as well. And you can bring in third parties into this answer as objectively as you can. In what ways do our current political parties align with kingdom values? Second question. Uh, this one is, I think, really challenging. And so I really encourage you to get to the meat of this. And this is the question. It says, how do we determine what convictions or beliefs we compromise when we support a party or candidate who does not fully align with our views. I'll read that one more time. How do we determine what convictions or beliefs we compromise when we support a party or candidate who does not fully align with our views? 
again, we just talked about this. Every one of us uh, probably feels like the party that we vote most frequently does not align with us on every single ethical, moral, or, or political idea. And so anytime we choose to vote a particular party, we are voting because they align with us in some ways, and then we are having to compromise other convictions or beliefs that we have. We have to decide which ones are we willing to compromise and which ones are we not. And so again, that question is simply asking us to plumb that a little bit and ask, how do we determine what convictions or beliefs we compromise when we support a party or candidate who does not fully align with our views? And finally, uh, the last uh, question is, again, not a question. It's the same challenge that we've put before you guys for the last two weeks, and that is have a conversation about this with one person outside of your missional community this week. Find a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, uh, somebody who's not connected to your missional community, and just bring up this idea and just kind of chew the fat with them about it. Let it go back and forth. They don't have to be a believer. Um, that's certainly not a requirement. Just somebody that you can have a good, hearty conversation uh, to, to really dissect this and help process things uh, with somebody else. And so again, have a conversation about this with one person outside of your missional community this week. I hope that the, the conversations that you guys are having in your missional communities are as fruitful as the ones that we've been having uh, in ours. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you guys uh, in person next week for worship gathering. I'm really, really excited about that. For those of you who still may not feel comfortable joining us in person, we will still have things that we'll be posting virtually for you. We don't want anyone to feel excluded if they choose not to meet with us in person. But for those of you who will be joining us in person next week, I can't wait to see you and God bless.